Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Vincent here. Uh, this is kind of saddening to say, but this will be the last personalized episode with a guest. For those of you unaware, we are ending the show. Next week will be a small farewell episode featuring Surrey and Abby and I, but this will be the last guest we have on Personalized. With that being said, I am so excited that it is Adam Blanford. Um, I feel like this has been a long time coming. Adam's been working on so many things that I've been involved with, and he's actually good friends with a lot of people who's been on here. So it's just been a long time coming, and I'm so excited that we could have him for the final guest. The only forewarning about this episode, and it's not for say a forewarning, it's just the fact that we started discussing a lot, and I mean a lot of different podcasts during a game we were playing in this episode, and we didn't get to mention them all, so for anybody listening out there, if we didn't get to mention your favorite podcast, or if we didn't get to mention your own podcast, I do apologize for that, and please feel free to hit us up on social media and tag your podcast to say that's your choice for the letter, and you'll know exactly what I mean when you get into it. So, with that being said, please enjoy this final episode with Adam Blanford. So, you know, um, to, to really start this off, I'm going to ask the obvious question, um, and I know I know a lot of listeners, and it's, everyone's probably tired of hearing it by now, but how exactly are you and your family holding up with everything going on? Well, you know, we're holding up as well as can be expected. Um, you know, it's been kind of stressful the last month or so because the kids have been home from daycare. So, you know, we've been having to, you know, navigate between working full-time jobs and watching kids and trying not to kill each other. Uh, but you know, we managed to, we, we've managed to get through it and the daycare opened up uh, just this past week. So our kids have been going for three days now and it's the greatest thing ever, <laughs> you know, just being able to sit there and have a cup of coffee and not having a child screaming or trying to hit you in the face. It's, it's fantastic. So, you know, how old are your kids exactly? So I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh. And, uh, yeah. And, and so they're, 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 they're both handfuls. Um, one's named Elias, the other's named Cora. Um, and unfortunately we, we had incredibly smart kids. Um, you know, it's great because, you know, you, you, you want your kids to be really smart and really, really uh, aware of, of what's going on. But the downside to it is that they can talk back to you and they can talk back to you very cogently. Um, for example, one day my son looked at me and he said, you know, I really, really want a bar. I really want a chocolate bar. And I was sitting there and I, I, I feigned ignorance. I was like, well, what exactly are you talking about? What's a bar? And I swear to God, without missing a beat, he said, it's this kind of rectangular thing that's chocolate and it has oats in it and it's really, really good. And I want one. And I had no comeback to shut him down. <laughs> I had to give him a friggin' bar. So yeah. And then, uh, you know, he, the, he's, he's incredibly articulate for his age, um, the, the four-year-old. Four and then uh, my, my two-year-old is, oh, she's just a handful. She has no fear. And um, we got a note from the daycare one time that said, uh, Cora figured out how to open up the refrigerator uh, and uh, by circumventing the locks, make sure that your childproofing is up to, your, up to her skills. So, yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of, of what it's like. I, I, I was in the garage with her one day. I turned around, and the next thing I know, she's three feet. You know, she's halfway up a six-foot ladder, and she was one. So, you know, father of the year and all that. My best friend, um, we were at his, I was at his house the other day, and uh, he basically was telling his, his five-year-old, was like, you know, uh, basically go inside. You know, it was getting late. We were all hanging out, just sitting there talking, and he was like, go inside, or, or telling her basically that her, that her friend has to go home. She can't play. And she just looked at him and was just like, why and you know he was he was he was taken back at first and he was like because i said so and, you know and she walks off and you know his wife's sitting out there and uh, he's just like i don't know where she gets audacity or that mouth from and all his <laughs> wife could say was like like just just mm-hmm. i want yeah i wonder as well <laughs> it's just yeah. funny seeing the reactions with kids like I I, I I i had that with my parents too i was a bit of a smart ass here and there as well but i think my younger brother carried that mantle more than i did 
Well, I mean, the, the, the craziest thing is just that um, he's just so good at the comebacks. And, and as a parent, you, you swear you're never going to say because I said so. You're always going to have a reason for it. But they just exhaust your patience. And finally, that's the last resort. That's when you know that a parent has completely reached the end of their rope when is, is because I said so. Or in my case, it's because I said so, damn it. Which gets me in trouble. Um, if, if I say a bad word, I have to actually sit in the corner. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that, you got to show them. Rule. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, you, makes ha- sense. You, have to, you have to be willing to, to walk the walk and you know not talk the talk. That's so, fair. Yeah. I would be in that corner all the time. Like I would have my, I would have to write my name on the corner. <laughs> You'd have to have magazines there to pass the time. I really would. Like I would, I'd be, I, I'd be in there so long. Like you know, like in, in the movies for the prisons and stuff, you see them like scratching on the walls for how long they've been there. <laughs> I would have that corner just for how much being in there for every cuss word I've said. See, my 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 brother actually, he that kind of punishment, it really didn't work on him. My my parents would put him in the corner. For upwards of an hour, and he could just amuse himself for an hour doing nothing. It, he was impervious to this uh, kind of punishment, so they had to figure out, you know, other ways. He'd have to revoke TV, or you know, the, he he couldn't do, you know, he, he couldn't have his car because you know he was still pulling that shit when he was, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he he was just uh, completely immune to it, and uh, so they had to find other means and. So we we figured out with the, with my son that his vulnerability is music. If if he's not allowed to listen to music um, on his Google speaker, it, it's over. He might as well just just destroy him. So uh, that that's the leverage that we have. Is I have the Google Home app on my phone, and if he pisses me off, I'm just like, you know what, Sonny Jim, you just lost Spotify, and and uh, <laughs> you know it's like, no, oh my god. So it really is uh, an effective. You just have to find the right leverage for your children. That's what proper parenting is, I think. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I kind of mentioned um, some another episode, but my, uh, my brother and I were so different for in a lot of things, and punishment was that's another thing we had. Whereas uh, they would, so for Jessup, if you if you even like grounded him or told him that like he couldn't go to this party or he couldn't go see his friend, that would be the end for him. For uh-huh. me, it's like, okay, well, I guess it's another day I get to sit at home on my ass and do that and play video games. So <laughs> that's when they started attacking the video games. And I remember, yep. like, you know, like the, one of the things they would say is, okay, no more video games on the weekdays, only on the weekends. And, you mm-hmm. know, me and my little brother would get home, we'd walk home from school, and uh, he would be off doing whatever he does. I don't even remember now, but, um, and I would find ways to sneak on my game console. And sure enough, it felt like every time I thought I was getting away with it, my stepfather would be coming down the stairs of the house and that'd be the end of it right there <laughs> oh man yeah i i i think for me i i, I hated being in the corner my and, and my brother are and are, my brother and i are, are very very different too we're very different in temperament uh mm. worldview my brother's really really street smart um but you know we're we're both very different in terms of you know how we think i'm i'm the i'm the intellectual and um and he looks at things very practically um, I'm, you know, I, I, I went to school and, you know, I studied archeology span and I did all this other stuff. And, uh, he's, he works as a mechanic you know, and he's a master mechanic and really good with his hands and really good at repairing stuff. But we are just like night and day. How many siblings did you have? Uh, just the one. Um, I, my brother, Jeremy is, uh, about seven years older than me. Uh, so I was used to getting my ass kicked as a child. <laughs> um, because he was, he could just, he, he, he could literally just pick me up and throw me across the room if he wanted to. Mm. But, uh, yeah, just, just the one brother. Um, my parents, my parents used to like to tell me that there was a, there was a older sibling than Jeremy, but you know, they had him eliminated cause he didn't listen. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but you know, so yeah, j- just the one. My parents would always get me with the, uh, um, we're going to leave, but we're leaving so-and-so in charge of you. And don't you think you can run them up? Because we got cameras everywhere. And like half the time, we'd be like, we got cameras <laughs> on the fridge. So me and my uh-huh. little brother would bound determined to check things on top of the fridge just to prove <laughs> them wrong to see if they actually did have a camera. And they, they would always like, and they always kept up with that lie. And they, it always get us until we realized that there's no fucking camera in the house. My my parents used to just say, "Well, we're gonna leave your you, we're gonna leave your brother in charge." And I'm like, "Bullshit! I'm not gonna listen to him. What are you talking <laughs> about?" 
So we, we used to have that, but, but my, yeah, my brother was, was older. He was you know, bigger than me. Um, he used to like to torment me in, in different ways. Um, I, I learned the word antagonize at about four years old or so because, uh, you know, my mother would, would always say, Jeremy, don't antagonize your brother. And, and then I do something to piss him off and Adam, don't antagonize your brother. This is ridiculous. <laughs> So I, I developed a very large vocabulary because of my brother. I really have him to thank for my my education because you know me me and Jessa we fought so much. Um, we were ten months apart, so it made things a lot harder. So we were practically learning things together, and uh, mm-hmm. we fought so much that you got on my my parents' nerves. All four of them hated. Just I mean they 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 ended up coming up with different punishments when we fought, and one of them was. Um, I don't remember what we were doing, but we got an argument when we had, when uh, we, we were at my mom's and we got to argue with some family over. And so my, <laughs> my mom and Mark were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So they made me and Jessup go sit down like in these, uh, lawn chairs and hold hands. That was their punishment for, uh, and we hated it. We were yelling at them the whole time holding And they were like, you know, don't you stop holding hands with him now. That's your brother. You're going to learn that. But the, but the, there was a united front. You both hit, you had common cause against your 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 parents. That that's actually genius. I mean, th- did it actually work, or did you just stop holding hands when they let you go and you started beating the shit out of each other? Uh, I mean, we, it. it I, I think sometimes it made us hate each other even more because we had to be in this situation. But other times we're <laughs> like, all right, I just want to leave. I just want to be away from you so this stops. God, I remember <sighs> this this one time. Uh, he had made me so mad. And this is so minor, but um, it was like when Pokemon Yellow and Blue and Red had come out. Um, mm-hmm. Were you ever actually into the them when they first came out? I I never, you know, I'm I, I'm going to admit this, um, uh-huh. and I hope this is a safe place, but I have never played Pokemon. I've honestly what? never done that. Yeah, I, I never have. Well, you know what? That's there's chunk of your life you still have there because uh, there's chunks of my life where I lost it because of Pokemon. <laughs> but, <laughs> But when they first came out, I somehow got my hands on a yellow copy, and um, we went to this—I guess you could say a daycare of a sort—and uh, the some friends of mine, you know, they basically they 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 were better at me than po- Pokemon than I was. I was more mm-hmm. in there just for the collecting and admiring, and they were actually st- strategically advancing in the game and shit. And so, like, they had gotten Zapdos, and which is uh, a, a rare, le- it's a legendary and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's um. And, you know, they had gotten, like, really far into the game within a day. And I come home, and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I have Zapdos for the first time in my life. Yes, I didn't understand how I did it, but I have it. And, you know, and um, we had a, we were at a family gathering. Or, no, we were at the neighbor's house. And uh, I left my Game Boy sitting on the table. And um, I think I was on the trampoline with the other kids and stuff. And little did I know that Jessup picked up my Game Boy, and he opened up uh, Pokemon. And for anyone listening, he... At the beginning, usually a lot of the earlier Pokemon games, you would start out in the lab with the professor, and he would give you your starter Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Jessup, and, and on those cartridges, you only had one save. Jessup opened the game, started it, walked around the lab, overrid my game, and turned it a Game Boy off and didn't say anything. Oh my god! I opened up that Game Boy and realized that like that everything they had done that previous day, all that was gone. That was it. Mm-hmm. it like it was just that. I went ballistic, and of course, I look like the asshole. <laughs> but like, I was so mad. I mean, like, it was just like such antagonizing. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't intentionally. Well, he probably intent, but you know, like, it was just he didn't, he didn't know no better. He he just wanted to see what it was like. And uh, mm-hmm. man, I was so mad. But I I got in trouble because uh, again, I showed my ass about. That. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty. Uh, I mean, th- that is. Th- that is definitely um, a killable offense. Um, I think you, <laughs> if, if no jury would have convicted you, um, if they had siblings, you needed to make, you would need to make sure the jury had uh, had jurors that had siblings to understand. Preferably, were, were you the older or the younger? I was the older. It's a fifty fifty right there. You might lose the the, the jury vote because you're the elder sibling. Exactly. Um, so yeah, scratch that. Don't 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 <laughs> go with that. But yeah, my my brother used to just enjoy, you know, he he'd pick on me about various various things. He'd tease me because I had no sense of humor as a kid. Um, I was very literal. Uh, it it took a long time for me to develop any kind of, you know, sense of humor uh, about anything. And uh, so he just used to love just just fucking with me all the time. 
But, uh, you know, he, he was still a pretty good big brother, um, all, all things considered. He's probably going to be listening to this podcast, so I, I have to say nice <laughs> things or he'll kick my ass. Uh, you know. <laughs> Any sense of humor I may have had, at, at, at especially younger age, like, was corny as shit compared to what Jessup had gotten into. Because it gets, you know, similar to your situation, Jessup was, he was always the one that was like, he was more street smarter than me. And when, where I was just wanting, where I, I didn't mind just being left alone to, to play my video games or, or hang out with uh, my other friends that were into to whatever things I was into or, you know, or just in general. Jessup mm-hmm. was the one that was always, he was always with the girls. He was always, he was always with the adults, trying to fit in with the adults and trying to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like you know, he understood more of the shit than I did. So, like I said, I, I guess I guess I could say like it, he seemed to grow up quicker than I did. I mean, obviously he did. He's the, he's got a wife now, and 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 my nephew. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just that's just the way the way it's the way it's always been. What what key, what has been your happiest memory with your brother, and then your most I guess your most angriest memory? That's a really good question. I mean, I. I'm trying to think of something really specific. I mean, you know, he, he was always, he was always very, um, very supportive and he was always just, he always looked out for me because you know, that, that's the thing I was, I was seven years younger. I was nerdy. I was short. I had braces. I had glasses. I just, I, I, I was the epitome of outcast. And so he always used to look out for me if, if um, you know, there were kids bullying me, he'd be looking around and, you know, basically acting like security guard. And um, he, he would he would make sure that I was I was OK. And, um, you know, but I don't have a specific memory that I can just pull out of out of out of my uh, off the top of my head because, you know, he, he really was good to me over you know many years. Um, and then, you know, with with. You know, with the other question, I, I mean, th- these answers kind of suck, I know. But, uh, you know, my, my brother, you know, he, uh, by the same token, would just end up pissing me off on a regular basis, you know, when, when, when we were younger. Um, I, I can tell you one time I pissed him off. I was, uh, I was like three years old and my parents had just painted his bedroom. We just moved into a new house and I had gotten a hold of a stamp, like one of those ink stamps. Mm. And I stamped the wall and then I stamped him while he slept in his bed. And Ooh. so um, I, I, I knew I had done wrong because I went to my mom and I was crying. And, and then I let her into the room because I, w- I was stupid enough to actually admit to when, I, when I'd done something, you know, mm. dumb or had misbehaved. So I let her into the room and she saw these these paint stamps or these ink stamps all over the wall. And then she looked at my brother and my brother woke up. He's like, what's wrong? And then he saw that I had stamped it, like stamped his legs, stamped his arms. He was ready to kill me, you know, because <laughs> it, it's actually everyone was ready to kill me. I think I spent about three <laughs> days in my room, but um, that's a, that's a famous story that, uh, that my brother likes to tell and my mom likes to tell. And Do you remember what the stamp was, like what the logo was intended on or was it just like? I think it was. I think it was like a race car or something. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, he will probably remember. He remembers it vividly. He remembers every one of my fuck ups with photographic crystal clarity. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you know I, I could ask him or he'll probably respond to me and go, "Well, you dumb shit. It was a it was a car or this you know whatever." <laughs> after he hears this, so I'll let you know. So has so has he listened to anything you've done as far as voice acting or or anything you've written or produced? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's listened to a lot of my stuff. Um, so I've you know I've done various podcasts over the years, uh, like the seminar podcast with Pendant. Um, so I did various roles for that. Um, I I recorded a couple of audio books, um, uh, like one novella and one um, anthology, and I'm pretty sure he he went and bought those. Um, oh, that's nice. And and uh, and listen to him. So yeah, he's he's always been a pretty pretty vocal supporter of of my voice work and you know, the stuff I've written and whatnot. What actually brought you into doing podcasting? Well, um, it, it it actually happened a lot by accident. Um, I you know I've I've gone through life. I've never really thought of my voice as anything special or unique. Um, so. Um, I, I generally, I listen to podcasts. I really enjoyed doing them or really enjoyed listening to them, um, over the years. 
but I'd, I'd never had the courage to try out for anything because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, when I was, let's see, in 2017, I was part of a, of a gaming guild and I started doing some fake promos. Like we used to watch um, episodes of Star Trek together because it was a Star Trek game and we were all a bunch of nerds. And I do, you know, different promos like, uh, you know, Tuesday at 8, 7 Central, uh, our man Bashir, come and watch with us, you know, things like that. And, or uh, it's seven o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Well, if you can find them, have them watch this episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, people in the group really liked it. They thought, you know, this is really, really funny. And uh, we, we really like how you sound. And someone asked me to do um, Go the Fuck to Sleep. So I narrated that book for them. And I had no idea what I was doing. And they, they thought it was hilarious because I actually improvised this like two minute rant in the middle of the book about how I never got any personal time. My life sucked because my children wouldn't let me sleep. You know, I, I was praying for death, things like that. And from there, I, I narrated an audiobook for a friend who was going through a tough time. So I, I think I did the first book of the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, I, I did that with my iPhone. And they in turn said, you have got to do some sort of podcast. You've, you've got to do some voice acting. And they kept sending me casting calls. And I was like, oh, well, that that's really nice. I, I really appreciate the, the, the thought. But no, it's, it, nothing's going to come from this. And one day her daughter sent me one and said, I think you should try out for this. And basically it was, if I said no, I'd be alienating the daughter, which would piss off this really good friend. So I went ahead and auditioned for it. It was, it was for a podcast called uh, London 48. Okay. And uh, it, this, this show never materialized, but I, I tried out for one of the lead roles and it was a, it was a middle-aged British detective. And uh, my, British is one of my, my strongest accents. And I tried out for it. And I actually got the part. And the, the funny thing is, is that they wrote to me and said, you know, you need to have a microphone. And I, I went out and brought a like a blue Yeti or something. And then they wrote back and said, oops, sorry, we, we screwed up. Uh, that, was meant, that was meant to go to someone else. Um, Damn. And I was like, well, you know, what? whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to it. It's it, I, I might do more of this stuff. You never know. And so that's really how I got my start was I got cast in this show as, as a lead. That was my first first role. And then it kind of stalled out. Um, you know, as as you've heard, you know, some shows, they'll, they'll cast people, but they're still writing the scripts. And that just creates a development hell in which nothing can actually move forward. I, I'm guilty of that. I'm very guilty yeah. of that. But but see, and, and I, I mean, I don't in their defense, too, like when you're writing something, um, especially if you get to working with voice actors a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to like, it's, you get to hear like in the, you know, and you've written some things, so I'm sure you could probably sympathize. You get to hear that voice in your head and say, when the time comes, I'm going to ask this person uh, if they were interested in this or whatever. And then mm-hmm. like, especially during writing, you're like so excited about it. You're like, I can't wait. I just want to, I just want to talk to someone about it. So then they, they, they hit up the voice actor and, um, an actress or in, and he or she is like, yeah, I'm totally down. And they're like, okay, I'll let you know when we're done. And then it takes forever for them to finish writing it <clears throat> myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where like, you can't, there's got to be control somewhere and someone's got to have it. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I, I totally understand those kinds of things. Um, you know, the, the creator was, was great. The, the, the overall premise was great. And, and the first episode was, was, uh, it was really good. You know, that's one of the things is I, I really like the, the audition lines and I like the, the, the arc of the show. It was originally about two detectives who got mysteriously thrown back in time from the year 2017 to 1948 and in London, and they had to figure out why they'd been thrown back in time and what was going on. Um, so it was a really compelling storyline, but the, the, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of development that still needed to go forward. And uh, I think there were some other issues that popped up that prevented it from fully being, um, being uh, brought to fruition. So, you know, I, I can totally understand. And I'm guilty of it too. I, I, I was running a podcast called Artemis and I completely bombed that. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So it, it never got off the ground. There's always a thing of talk about like, you know, uh, there's a lot of scripts and stories written, you know, for mm-hmm. like TV shows and movie stuff. They're like some you'll never even know about. Like there's like, there's always been rumors of different, like I think was it us. Uh, there was a rumor of Zorro and Django having a crossover from, from the man himself. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, you never hear from that. There's like, it's just, you get things going off the ground, but I mean, they're never really fully there until they're, you know, there. 
Yeah, it's um, I think it's a, a manifestation of the adage, perfection is the enemy of good. And uh, if you try and create the perfect show, it's never going to happen because there's always going to be a way to tweak the dialogue. There's always going to be a way to change the plot line or you come up with something later that really sounds great, but then you have to tear so much of the original storyline apart and it becomes impossible. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was it was a really good learning experience because I had no idea what the hell I was doing as a as a, a voice actor back then. I was... Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about noise floors or ambient environments or, you know, how to actually get a good take until, I God, like six, seven months into voice acting. Mm. So, you know. So what is one stress and one relief that you've been dealing with since you started with voice acting? Like, um, I guess the, the, the ones that stand out the most, one of each. Well, let's see. One thing that stresses me out... Um, so for me, um, I'm, I'm originally from Ohio and the area of Ohio, I'm from Western Ohio. And so um, I had very, very hard R's in my, my normal speech. So, you know, I see things like chair and, um, or, or hard, and you can really hear that R. And um, one thing that I really have to concentrate on that, that, that can stress me out is trying to even that pronunciation out. So when I when I'm I'm talking, I actually use singing diction when I'm speaking, so that I I mitigate the vowel sounds, and it's not too bright, it's not too harsh, and it helps me create more control over a um, over a particular uh, voice or character that I'm that I'm doing. So um, it, it's really trying to to concentrate and remember the elements of of uh, proper speech. Because in my normal speech, I, I I tend to mumble, or you know, my my words will slur slightly if I'm not even if I'm not drinking, and <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think that's one thing that stresses me. And then one relief, um, I think one one relief for me is that um, I'm a that that my acting is it seems to be fairly fairly good or fairly well received. Um, I was always really self conscious about my my acting that's one reason I stayed away from it um when I first started listening to podcasts because I thought you know I these people are so much better than than me and that I I don't know that I would have anything specific to offer I'd probably just sound like I was overacting or overdoing it or or, or something like that but um overall one relief has been that that my my acting is really really well received and I've had people who are they're professionals they're like you know you did a really good job on this podcast and you know I, I really like how you sounded it was natural or um, you know your your delivery is great you know you should think about maybe doing commercial voiceover or something like that like that's that's a real relief to know that maybe I don't totally suck at this you know so would you say that voice acting is probably what you what's your biggest goal you want to do with your life as far as career path or is there something else um that's also been there well you know i i think a lot of the i, I think being a creative would be a, a wonderful life path um uh, i've really enjoyed being a voice actor i really like um i really like bringing characters to life and you know, I've got the I've got the accent ability and the acting ability. They're all they're all developing. That's the thing I do really well instinctively. Um, so I, I'd be totally fine being a voice actor and being able to bring in my my vocal skills and my writing skills and you know all the various creative skills that I've developed over the years. Um, I've been a researcher for most of my my adult life. You know, I, I was an archaeologist and I was a, an institutional researcher. Um, research associate. I, I, I did a lot of research. I used the left brain a lot, but um, I, I really found a good balance between left brain and right brain when I'm when I'm writing and when I'm when I'm doing the voice acting. If that makes sense. What interests you to do archaeology? By the way, that was something I also am very curious about with you. Like it was just such a you know like going over your resume and everything. It's just such a strange. You go you know all we have obviously all the voice acting and all the other stuff, but then you go archaeology. <laughs> well, you know I I. I I put it in there because, um, you know, I, I, I struggled all through through high school and college trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to college and I started as an aerospace engineer. And wow. then I realized how crappy I was at math. And, Feels. 
And, and I, I had this feeling of, I'm going to design a plane and it's going to lead to the greatest death toll in the history of the world. I'd, I'd better stay away from, from engineering. So my, my next love was, was history, and, and, um, and, and, but I still wanted to do science. And so archaeology was a really good fusion of, of history with science. And so I, I did that as an undergraduate spent about uh, six weeks in, uh, in, in the Southwest in Arizona, looking at various sites in the Kaibab National Forest. Um, I did research as a grad student on a couple of different places. I worked on uh, some Hopewell earthworks, you know, um, studying uh, different uh, mound arrangements using a magnetometer, which is kind of cool because it can, it can measure the magnetic uh, field density of, uh, of, uh, of soil. So it can actually measure the orientation of, of the soil based on the, um, the magnetic field it exhibits. So if you overturn a piece of dirt, it's actually going to change that magnetic orientation and you can find earthworks that you can't see on the ground. Really cool stuff. And uh, also did you know, geoarchaeology and, and then you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. Historical research on, uh, on an empire in western Mexico. That was my, my doctoral dissertation. So I, I really enjoyed being able to, to you know, I, I was interpreting an oral history to try and figure out the political structure of an empire. And I got to use, you know, my, my love of history and oral history to really understand what was going on. And then I got to use the science to, you know, create mathematical models of site locations and uh, look at satellite imagery. I get to look at declassified satellite imagery from the, the federal government. It was cool stuff. So um, um, it's unfortunately named for the Corona. That's the name of the, the, the satellite. So, you know, it's not very popular right now. But um, I get to use some really, really neat stuff. So I get to use the, the left brain and the right brain. And my doctoral work really helped me be a good writer overall. I had to think critically. I had to write really, really tightly. It had to be really well presented. Or my advisor would have just failed my ass. I mean, that... If I was a terrible writer when I started. I'm a pretty good writer now. So that, that's one of the reasons I put it on the resume is that um, my experiences there were really important to my writing as a, as a podcaster and as a performer because I'm really thinking about everything that's going on um, in, in a situation or, you know, am I covering all the bases? Am I, am I thinking about this right? Am I world building correctly? Um, so you know, that's one of, one of the reasons I threw it in there. And it's also, you know, a part of who you are. And with that being mm-hmm. said, like, do you still dabble with any of that? Or is it just strictly, um, you know, uh, I guess, trying to do the voice acting now? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm using a lot of the research skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I did some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, I did a mathematical model that would predict where sites were located based on written data and, um, you know, uh, satellite imagery of existing sites, things like that. I'd, I'd really like to refine that model and, uh, you know, use it to find some other stuff. So that's kind of a hobby now because I, I'm really working more in education these days. But, um, you know, I, I, I do kind of dabble in it. I do still kind of read the read sources and, you know, check up on the archaeology happenings that are going on. But I'm not really an active uh, field archaeologist anymore. So... Um, so like when, <sighs> God, and this sounds a cliche question, but when you were doing the arch is the archaeology, is there any chance that you may have toyed with doing like, or, uh, thinking about maybe toying with the idea of dinosaur bones or anything? Uh, not really. Um, you know, it's a, it's a common joke actually that the archaeologists and the paleontologists commiserate because archaeologists get active, asked about, uh, dinosaur bones. And paleontologists get asked about uh, tombs in Egypt. So we, we kind of commiserate because it, it's a common misconception. We use a lot of the same uh, methodology. You know, we do excavations and we're, we're uncovering, you know, different things about the past. But the paleontologists are looking at stuff that's millions of years old. And the archaeologists are trying to get funding to go, you know, dig a, dig a fucking hole in the ground. <laughs> um, you know, I but... We both do really cool stuff. I actually did a, a, a class in grad school with uh, with a bunch of paleontologists, 
And uh, so we would we would look at the research methodology, and I learned a lot of really really neat stuff about how they think of the past, and they think of, of the cycles of time, and you know how they un- how they interpret things, and that really helped me gain insight into my own work. So uh, yeah, but I I've gotten to do a lot of really really cool stuff as an archaeologist. I, I was telling someone today I excavated at a site uh, about fifteen years ago that was buried in a volcanic eruption. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, it, it said um it, it was a site in it's it's a site in El Salvador. It's called uh, Hoya de Seren, uh the Jewel of Seren, and it was it, it was this little village that was part of the Maya culture and it would there was a volcanic vent eruption. So it was a baby volcano. It erupted at about 4 p.m. in August or September and they had enough warning that everyone got away. And uh, the, the reason we can figure that out is that the entire village got buried and everything got preserved so that we could see that, this, that they'd taken the time to overturn their pots from their, their evening meal. And because uh, there were finger marks inside all the pots, uh, the, the gates were shut because they were anticipating coming back. Um, you know, there, it was just incredible resolution there. And, and one of the things that I was involved in for a study was the, was the ag- agricultural fields. So we actually dug in the ground and we would find these holes and dump dental plaster into the, the holes and we'd be, create perfect casts of the plants that were growing at the time of the eruption. Wow. So um, that's how we know that it, it, it occurred in August uh, because the, there was a, a second growth of, uh, of maize that was going on in the field. And uh, you, know, you, could, you could actually measure the size of the corn kernels and that would tell you what the, the point of the growth cycle it is. And so they can figure out the time of day and the time of the year, what they can't agree on is the year that the damn thing occurred. Mm-hmm. They can't get the, uh, get the right, right dating. So it may be between 300 AD and you know, 700 AD, or uh, it's CE now. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm old, and so it's a uh, wrong, wrong dating <laughs> scale. But uh, yeah, it's like a 400-year time window, but they know the time of the month. I mean, it's, it's insane. But yeah, we, we actually found some, we found a, a root crop that no one had ever found before called manioc. And it was a, a root crop that we, we assumed was grown in times of hardship and it would actually feed a, a large population because it could survive in the ground for over a year. So you, could, you didn't have to dig it up it'd stay alive. And then if you needed it, you could dig it up. If not, well, screw it, let it die. And then you could grow something else. Um, and so we actually got in the papers all over the world by that discovery. And um, the, the most surreal thing was getting cited in a textbook I was in um, a year later. Like, I, I saw my name in my own textbook. Shit. So, okay. Now, can people still find that textbook today, you think? Uh, or? Yes, you can. I, so we, we wrote an article that was in Ancient Mesoamerica on, uh, on Manioc. Um, and so th- that article is out there. It's dated to, like, 2010, I think, 2009 or 2010. And... Uh, might be a little bit earlier, but the the art the academic article is out there, and then the textbook is like, I think it's called Archaeology. I mean, it really has the most boring fucking title in the world. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I can find the citation someplace. So that was your your interest as far as like when you were a kid, you wanted to to learn more about the the archaeology and learn more about. It. I mean, obviously, you said you started off with uh you know the aerospace engineer. Mm-hmm. Out of all that, what was the one thing you did want as a kid? Like, obviously, I doubt it was aerospace engineer, or or it might have been just the idea of wanting to build a plane, right? It, you know, the 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 thing that that um, my my wife would probably agree is that I I never quite figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. One thing that I I loved doing and I was really really good at it was was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wrote at a very high level when I was younger. Um, but you know, when I was younger, I was a, I was a much different person. Um, I, I, I think that my writing actually came out of my, I, I was a really unhappy kid. I was really angry a lot of the time I, I was on a short fuse. And so when I, when I was little, I wrote really well. And I think it was tied to that. And then at one point it got so bad. My mother finally said, look, I don't want anything to do with you. You're, you're just a horrible person right now because it's just, you know, talking to you is the most negative thing I've ever experienced. So I, I, I can't take it anymore. And so I actually like forced myself into some kind of mental change where I changed my, my attitude 
and then I, I was a happier kid, but I couldn't write for shit. So I, I it, it was kind of a weird transformation, but I, I just, I, I didn't have the, the, the energy anymore. Right. And then, you know, I got to grad school and I was angry over, you know, being a, a graduate student and you know, being treated like shit all the time. So that kind of reignited my writing abilities and it just never went away. Kind of swinging back to voice acting. Is there ever a role that one day you, you, you dream of being able to voice, whether it's an audio drama, a video game or an animation in general? You know, I, I, I don't think about it in terms of specific roles. I, I really think about it in terms of, um, you know, original characters. I, I really like playing um, complex characters where there's more nuance or where I have to really push uh, my, my skill set. Um, you know, like, for instance, like the, I'm, I'm in Y2K and I, I voice the part of, of Jono. He is unlike any other character that I've ever played. He's an asshole. <laughs> he is the biggest asshole and he's scary. Like I I've done, I did an audio book where I had to play this really, really horrible, horrible villain, but it was a sci-fi setting. So there was this kind of remove in, in how he was portrayed because he, he wasn't real. He wouldn't exist in this world because he, he, a lot of what's, what the basis is, is based in sci-fi. Jono is, frighteningly real like anybody could could really see a, per, a real person being like him being pure emotion and pure rage and pure insecurity um so that for me was a was a real challenge because uh, I, I can remember sitting in my first read through with with karen heimdall and uh, some of the other cast members and she she stopped me and said you need to get rid of the nice guy i i, I read this one line and she's like you're being too nice you're being empathetic you cannot be empathetic at all. So for me, it was a it was a neat challenge to to turn that off and really exist in that moment and be just the the biggest fucking asshole I could I could possibly be. And uh, so I I look at it in terms of I want roles that that really have that nuance that really have the 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 challenge and the energy where I got to push myself and just be absolutely spent when I'm done. Um, th- those are the things that I really, really live for. And I, I don't care if it's audiobooks or if it's animation or, or, or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm still really exploring what my voice can do uh, in, in those genres. So I hope that that makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense. What would you say out of all the roles you've done so far has been your favorite role? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, like, for instance, off the top of my head for you, my favorite thing you have, all the things you've done so far, I think my favorite thing mm-hmm. you have done is what you, you're the great work you do on the Insomnia Project. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, that is one of, that actually is one of my favorite roles. And I can tell you that everything that I've done on the Insomnia Project is completely improvised. Um, the, the voice of, of Gonsanto didn't exist in the original version of Caitlin's uh, story. Uh, you know, uh, Caitlin Kleiman wrote the, the insomnia project and, um, she'd already cast everything and I had missed the casting call. And cause my voice was completely shot. I was trying to finish an audiobook that was months overdue and, you know, I was raw. I couldn't, I couldn't voice anything, but, uh, we, we got to talking and I made a couple of jokes about, uh, Gonsanto industries. So I, I actually, um, Let's see. I, I think I made some fake ads for Gonsanto and fake slogans. And she thought they were really funny. And then I voiced one of them and I, I was just like, you know, Gonsanto Industries, you can sleep when you're dead. You know, and <laughs> I, I would do the, these kinds of things. And, and then um, she thought it was really funny. She said, you know, you, you don't have a role in the actual show, but we, we're going to have a phone line and you should do some uh, voice messages for it. So I actually recorded some stuff for, for that voice line. It was like, um, thank you for calling Gonsanto Industries. Please leave your name, number, and a brief list of childhood phobias. And uh, I, I would do things like that. And, and she just thought that was hilarious. We've, it actually evolved into the credits announcer. Right. And uh, it, it, that was kind of improvised because I, I did the first episode and then she had promised it to someone else. And then I did it and then uh, she did it, I think, for one of them. And so we just we have this this back and forth where we're talking shit with each other. 
uh, in the latest episode, I actually, I was like, um, I, I did an imitation of Caitlin. I'm like, this is what you sound like. Oh, like, oh my God, like listen to the Insomnia Project. It's so funny, tee hee hee hee. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we have this, she's really a great collaborator because she, she, you know, obviously it's her baby, but she's totally fine with people playing in that world and experimenting. So um, the the role I played in in um, in uh, the Insomnia Project that I continue to play unless she fires me is um, which she can't fire me she doesn't pay me anything but um, <laughs> that the the role that I play is is just completely made up on the spot and uh, I I wrote a I think I wrote a, a a cast bio and I was like Adam is the audio engineer for the Insomnia Project. Um, he is also the voice of Gonsanto and is also all the roles that Caitlin forgets to cast, which is true. <laughs> um, she, she's actually forgotten to cast about three different roles and I, I've had to step in. So I, I voiced, uh, in, in a mini episode called Bill, um, I voiced Annabelle with anger issues. I was this, uh, this pissed off woman because she, she forgot to cast the role and there was no one else to fill it. We didn't have time. So I... I was sitting there screwing around and I, I just recorded this line. I was like, hey there, sugar, how about you and me paint the town red after I finish these Coro Dodega management courses? And she <laughs> thought it was just fucking hilarious. But we created a fictitious name so that no one thought I was trying to steal a, a woman's role. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And uh, let's see. I was also the the policeman and I was the, the I was a really creepy guy in in, uh, in one of the episodes. So yeah, anytime she forgets uh, to, to cast a role, I end up I end up voicing it. Talking about forgetting the cast stuff, when Eli and I were going through Unlucky Charm, we would you know like I was so excited because it's my first time doing like casting, and Eli had been through the ringer enough with the, uh, the glass appeal and, and a lot of other things, and he was he wasn't as as thrilled as I was, and uh, mm-hmm. there was some some like minor roles, and I was like I can't wait to cast, and Eli's like we don't really have to worry about them right now. We need to get the major ones put <laughs> out, and we need to go through all things. And meanwhile, I'm just like a little kid in the place. I'm like, but we can have so many people a part of this. And uh, I ended up finally calming down. And then like months later when production started and we realized that we forgot to cast somebody as this role because of that mm-hmm. exact situation, we looked like the Spider-Man meme of two Spider-Mans meeting, just pointing at each other <laughs> like, you did this. No, you did this. <laughs> yeah. It, well, Caitlin totally, I, to, to her credit, she totally owns it. I'll, I'll contact her and be like, hey, um, who has the lines for this role? And she'd be like, oh, shit, I forgot to cast that role. Could you do it? So I, I end up, you know, just like, okay, um, I gotta, I gotta create this character voice. I gotta be a creepy bastard, or I gotta be a, an officious policeman, or, or whatever I need to be. I, 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 you know, I've done about five or six roles in the Insomnia Project, and uh, most of them are just like, oh shit, we forgot to cast, um, and we need to get this episode out by next week. So I just go ahead and do it. My, my view on voice editing is like, <clears throat> usually I'm the one that's like. Um, I'm the one that somebody's like, Hey, do you want to like do just like a little cameo spot in here? And I'm like, how about I help you find someone who can actually act better? And I'll just be their <laughs> encouragement because I do not have any confidence in my acting skills. Now that it doesn't mean I won't do it, but mm-hmm. I would prefer someone who actually has better talent to do it. And I'll just be in the background, just cheering them on. That's, that's how I feel about it now. Um, Cause like, you well- know, Voice editing it, it it does it does seem like it would be easier because you don't you're not you're not on a stage you don't have people glaring at you you could just get in the moment and still act but like that's the thing you still got to act and so I give props to anybody who can do that. Well, you know it's it it really is a very challenging thing to do. You know it it, it can be intimidating because you are in a room by yourself. You're looking at a microphone and it's got nothing for you. It's one of the worst acting partners you can have. And you've got to try and, and sell the, 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 the scene. And thank God, you know, like when you do it, you typically record three to five takes because then you can, you can spin it in different ways. And that gives the, uh, the uh, engineer or the, the designer or the director the uh, opportunity to see how the different roles fit together. And uh, so I'm really glad of that, but it, it, it really is challenging and it just takes time to, to get used to it. I, I just say, you know what? Fuck it. Just go do it. Uh, just, just uh, get the experience and, you know, start to enjoy it. I, I remember some of my earliest roles are 
pretty goddamn rough, I got to say. Uh, so, you know, it, it just takes time to get used to it. So we are uh, we are nearing the the top of the hour for this episode and I want to I want to go to a segment that that we're starting to do um where we play a game. Okay. And for you I have chosen I don't know if you've ever heard of the alphabet game. Okay. Go ahead and describe um, it to me just in case. So and for the listeners at home. Right, right, right. So so the idea we do is um I pick a topic and then you and I start off we alternate naming so like I'll start with the letter A. Um, naming okay. something within this topic and you go B and then I go C. Okay. Um, and usually from what I'm understanding, there's some people play it with, with time limits. Some people play it with um, go until they can't. Um, what we're going to do in this case is we're going to go until we just, we literally can't do it. We scratch our head doing it. Um, or until we get to the end of the alphabet. Cause okay. I feel like this is going to really fly. Um, so the topic we're going to do is podcasts. Okay. So like um and I, I for this honestly I think we'll do anything audio drama, interview, game, whatever, whatever podcast. Okay. So I guess we'll start out and I will give you letter A. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um let's use alternative stories and fake realities. Okay. It's a, it's a good anthology series. Uh for B, I'm going to go with Blackout. I don't know if you've listened to it. From what I understand, I believe it's I believe that I believe it's canceled. From what I heard, um, but uh, I cannot pronounce his name. But Rami Malek, Rami, yeah. God, I cannot, dude. I suck at pronouncing that dude's name. But uh, he done so good as a dad, and that it's like basically, um, obviously the name for Blackout, the power goes out um, from a fuck up, and uh, it's it's following the community of the small town being affected by it and the the secret conspiracies to do with the blackout. Nice. That, that sounds good. Uh, let's see. For B, I would have to go with, uh, or no, for C, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for C, I'd go with um, Clark's World. Good anthology series, Clark, Clark's World ma- magazine, uh, recorded with uh, different voice actors. So they should hire me. But um, <laughs> yeah, Clark's World. Um, For D, Darkest Night. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that needs a single explanatory, but a horror anthology series, which I, mm-hmm. I, I thought they were going to be returning with the new season already, but I, they're long overdue for that. Okay. I, I'm on board with that. Um, Emperor Pigs for E. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the pizza shop that sells pizza and weed and uh, very, very uh, eclectic characters. I've, I've started listening to that. I actually wrote an episode of Emperor Pigs Presents where I play a, a demonic god who fucks up the date of Armageddon. So he gets summoned by his demon cult to get bitched out. So I, I totally go with that one. I've, I've wrote a few Emperor Pigs presents. I wrote a few, I wrote like I co-wrote one of the INN episodes for season one for F. I, I don't, I'm not going to say there's cheating. Well, it's not really cheating because they kind of use it as a sub name, but the Max and Ivan fugitives, the name of it's fugitives, but they, for some okay. reason, call it the Max and Ivan as well. Nice. Um, sounds good. There was a really, really funny. Um, I, I believe, I believe it was just a one one shot season, but it was such a funny just comedy about two guys just happened to get them two programmers who got themselves in a shit ton of chaos with a with a conspiracy of finding um, finding a program that that gets starts getting people killed, and it was so funny. Uh, I'm gonna have to subscribe to that. Excellent. Let's see, for G, let's go with Girl in Space. I mean, obviously, that's kind of one of the big ones oh, yeah. out there. Uh, great, great uh, story by uh, Sarah. Um, and, you know, great, great uh, characters, great plot lines. So um, highly recommend that one. We'll go with that. Uh, for H, going to go with Homecoming. Um, All right. Yeah, it's I've hard to go wrong one. with that. I mean, hell, that thing's on Amazon now. Gimma Media yep. doing really good with that story. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. I, I'm going to go with, uh, with improvised Star Trek. That's a good one. Uh, completely improvised about the worst crew in Starfleet. Uh, it's, it's totally improvised based on episode suggestions or episode titles uh, submitted by fans. So they just improvise the shit out of it. Uh, just recently ended, but there's like seven seasons worth. Totally recommend that one. Um... Hmm. So Jay, 
Oh, Joseph. Duh. I don't know if you listen to Joseph. That was one of the first audio dramas I ever got into. Um, yeah. Oh, man. That was such a great... I like. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, what kind of even like... It, it's just a really great story about... I wouldn't, I like I said, I don't even know, a bounty hunter, um, mm-hmm. a bounty hunter following, I guess, I guess you could kind of say it kind of gives off a similar Borderlands-ish vibe, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Nice. S- such a good fucking show. Uh, let's see, for K, um, Knife Point Horror, really good anthology series, uh, minimalist sound effects, minimalist uh, music, stuff like that. Sometimes it's not even in there. It's just the narrator. And he and uh, he has to carry the, every story, and it's just really well crafted, really entertaining to listen to. Okay, so for L, I'm gonna go with you know Lime Town. Excellent, excellent choice. I love the first season of that show. It was so compelling. And, Second uh, season was really good too. They got a they got a fucking great twist. Yeah. I mean, I I love that show. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. if I listened to the second season. I the days are blurring together, so I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm fucking no. Uh, let's see for M. Let's go with Moonbase Theta out. Okay. So you know, like two to three uh, two to three minute transmissions from this moon base down to uh, down to Earth, recording uh, various happenings that are going on on this this moon base as they're shutting it down, and uh, so really. Really great story, really well well crafted characters, and um, a delight to listen to. Um. Hmm. In. I. I guess I'm gonna still. I'm gonna have to go with NVC voice chat for that. Okay. Uh, the uh, Nintendo uh, podcast from IGN. Um, where they talk about like all the new Nintendo news and everything just going on with Nintendo. Excellent. Uh, for O, I'm going to go with Ostium. Okay. So, uh, you know, about the guy who, who finds this, um, basically finds all these portals to, to, to different places. Um, I've, I'm, I'm explaining it badly, but uh, yeah, he travels to different places, their adventures, and I'm really early in the show, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, for P, I'm going to go with, hmm, I'm gonna go with the pilgrimage. Um, I haven't gotten to dive deep into it yet, but it's it's a similar uh, as you would say, similar to to Star Trek. I guess you could say that the the group is um you know they're on the ship and the mystery behind them and and the reason where they're going. And um, uh-huh. I actually had a chance to work with uh or or discuss some stuff with um some of the one of the voice actresses for it. Um, and we're 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 you know we're kind of discussing things here and there about some future projects are personalized um uh-huh. and and you know they're they're a delight to to even sit down and talk to and the, you know and, and the podcast is just really good at least one of the creators is involved in hg wells has his regrets which was a show that i was on and mm-hmm. uh, I, I played um edgar Allan poe no pressure there but uh, uh they they created that one so i i i totally believe you when you say it's a it's a good show. I, I I can't remember if I've listened to it. I my my brain is just like melted these days. <laughs> so that gives me cue. Um, I'm going to throw out quirky voices. That's mm-hmm. Sarah Golden Golding's podcast. I'm I'm really early into it, but uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I guess I'm going to have to. I guess it'll be my turn to go with. Uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to go with Room because okay. it's the last R I have currently on here. Uh a little anthology series. And obviously you got to voice, um, a main character in one. It's actually one of the first ones I got to listen to with them. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the, the characters are really well written and, you know, the, the Aiden, uh, Rosewell chooses really, uh, talented actors and, uh, actresses and, and, and me, uh, to, to do roles. And, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a really good story. Uh, for S I'm going to go with seminar. Uh, it's by Pendant Audio. It's an anthology series. It's been going on forever. I think I've, I think it's been, it really it's has. Almost, it's one of the earlier ones. It's been going on for almost like fifteen years. I think um, when I started listening to it, it was two thousand ten. It, it had already been going for for about three seasons. 
And, uh, so yeah, it's one of, one of my first, uh, first podcasts I ever listened to loved it. And, you know, now I've written for it, acted on it and now I'm the credits announcer for it. So, <laughs> um, so I, I guess for T I'm going to have to hit up one of the thes and I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with the Lovecraft covenant. Um, it's about basically serial killer starts using themes from the HP Lovecraft book series. It's only a six part little spinoff, uh, series, but, um, the creators of that show, man, they done really well with the story and with the audio for it. It's a really cool story. Excellent. I am downloading it now. Let's see. I had, that gives me you, doesn't it? Right. Uh, shoot. Um, up first. Okay. So it's a news podcast, uh, the daily digest of information. Um, I feel really smart and, and, you know, I have opinions about things because I listen to it. Um, when I drove to work, I, I, I would listen to it for like 10 minutes in the car and I'd know what was going on in the world and then shudder because everything sucks. So yeah, I'd go with that. Okay. For V, I'm going to go with Vast Horizons. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone's got to know that one by now, but the, the, man, the audio for that not, and the acting too is crazy, but just the audio for it. <sighs> Dude, Travis him and his partner for that, they outdone themselves on that. Excellent. Uh, let's see. W. I'd have to go with, uh, um, what is it? The, the white vault. Okay. Really well crafted story there. Um, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the vault in the middle of, uh, of nowhere that, that yeah. Fool and scholar. Good one. For X, I'm gonna go with the XY podcast um, okay. because you know Melissa, who, whose episode uh, came out recently, personalized. You know that's her podcast, and you actually did a little part for the Halloween special, and it's just funny all around to me. Really well done. I I, I love listening to that show, and uh, I'm really happy I got to be on it. So yeah, I, I totally support that. And then for Y, I'm gonna go with Y2K. Um, it's the it, it's a really well-crafted story about, you know, the um, young woman uncovers a laptop with voicemails from uh, from 20 years ago. And it's the correspondence between, you know, her mom, who we don't know the identity of, and, um, or, yeah, cut that part out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically a correspondence between Jess and Kat from 20 years ago. Um, we suspect that... Uh, one of them is, is, is Olivia's mother, but we don't know. It's very, very unclear. And I play the biggest asshole in the history of the world. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and for Z, I guess I will go with, uh, um, hmm. Man, there are not a lot of podcasts with the letter Z. That's for sure. Next person tells me that they need an idea for a story name. I'm going to tell them to make sure they use a fucking Z. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's perfect. Um, let's say, well, I mean, let's just cheat and say mission to Zix. I'm fine with that. Okay. So mission to Zix, send up of star Wars, fully improvised, uh, very funny about the worst emissary group of the, the federated Alliance. And then they end up uh, working for the rebels and then they end up working for another group. It, they're, they're just a bunch of fuck ups, but it's delightful to listen to. So I think we got all the way through the alphabet with minimal cheating. It, you'd think we rehearsed this once before. I know, right? I mean, using our catcher, that was a that was a that was a better idea than having a name off the top of our heads. Exactly. It's great. And and we plugged all these podcasts, we can send them a bill later. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so obviously, you know, we ran over a bit, but um before we got I do want to close over or I'll close I do want to close out the the podcast with a question we tend to ask here. Um okay. If you could give personal advice to someone who is who is finding their place in the voice acting community or the podcasting community, whether they're writing or producing, you know, which things you have you have done so far, you know, in, in your your path. But uh-huh. someone who is just starting and, and trying to figure out like what advice could you give that person right now? I think I I I like to to think of things in terms of a of an old quote, uh, fortune favors the bold. Um, you have to be willing to put yourself out there 
mm-hmm. whether it's writing or it's uh, it's voice acting. It, it's all hard, but what you find is that the, the the people in the community are very accepting, and a lot of them are very helpful. Um, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere um, today if if I hadn't had the the help and advice of people who were really good writers and really good voice actors and actresses and. Um, so just, you know, don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there. Um, sure. There's, there are going to be assholes, but you know, who isn't an asshole every once in a while? Uh, but there are really good people who will, who will help you and work with you and you just got to be willing to, to do it. Otherwise, you know, shut the hell up. You don't have anything to complain about. Thanks Adam for sitting down talking tonight. Hey, it was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. This episode features Adam Blanford from podcasts such as The Insomnia Project, Emperor Pigs Presents, Y2K, and so much more. You can contact and follow Adam at the links listed in the show notes below. Want more great podcasts like Personalized? You can go to gravityundone.net and find other podcasts such as Space Brains, Exit Plan, and My Creativity. We'd really appreciate it if you followed Personalize on social media and shared with us your favorite episodes, followed our guests, and left us a review on platforms such as Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And lastly, I'm Abby Rose. You can follow me on Twitter at AbbyRoseVO. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this trailer. Olivia, and this is the Y2K podcast. I found a bunch of files on my mum's old laptop. It's 20 year old voicemails between my mum and a friend of hers. Hi, Kat. You always know when something's off, don't you? Jess, oh, that feels so great. That was Rachel. She's Wow. I feel, uh, empty. Sending you hugs across all the oceans. Oceans of hugs? That's perfect. Y2K. New episode every Friday all through 2020, starting January 3rd.